This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the latest Everything is Black and White podcast in association with Toro. I'm Sean McCormick and I'm joined here by Chris Woff. Um, you know, plenty going on in the world of Newcastle United, as always. We'll start briefly on uh, Saturday's FA Cup uh, defeat there. It felt like a defeat, the draw to Blackburn, Chris. Um, your, your thoughts on that, if you've had a couple of days of stewing it, it wasn't the best game of St James's part, was it? No, deflating, and it was a real opportunity for Newcastle to address serious home form they have at the moment. Two wins in 12 now at St James's Park this season. Can't even beat a championship side or 15th, and yeah, doing okay, but... It was it was really frustrating. Benitez made eight changes and didn't really work out in that regard. Unsurprisingly, a lot of them looked short of match sharpness, confidence. Uh, there was no fluency between them, which is a team we've never played against. It's not really uh, overly surprising. And I have to be honest, that I was I don't really understand what Benitez was trying to achieve. If he has basically decided the FA Cup isn't a route Newcastle can take this year because uh, he has a weakened squad, fine. But why play? a reserve team then bring on three of your so-called first teamers in the last 20 minutes change the game and then get the replay which he didn't want I, I found it a bit of a backwards way of doing things um, and so Newcastle have that extra fixture during the middle of next week sandwiched in between games against Chelsea and Cardiff City and so I can only see him playing just as weak if not a weaker side next week and obviously we look forward to the draw tonight I mean that could play a massive part in the team Benitez does put out because obviously last year we're full of belief that albeit Newcastle played Luton but Benitez played a, a full strength team they won quite convincingly that day to then get Chelsea away in the fourth round and, and I suppose a lot does depend on the draw for Newcastle because you know they clearly aren't good enough to compete with the, like, the, the likes of the top six particularly in the form they're in at the moment but say if they get a Barnet or a, an Oldham or a team of that ilk at home is there a chance Newcastle can go on a cup run or do you think the, the squad's just too short this season? I mean, if they do get someone like that, then you'd have to say if they did manage to progress past Blackburn, they'd have a great opportunity to get into the fifth round. Do I see Newcastle winning the FA Cup this season? No, I don't. And I have to be honest, if it's a home draw, no matter who it is, the way Newcastle are playing there at the moment, I wouldn't be overly confident, particularly if he decides to play his reserves. If they do advance a bit further in the competition, maybe... Benitez will be able to start playing a bit of a stronger team because there won't be as many midweek games. You have to remember this came after a festive period where Newcastle played almost a sixth of their games in the space of about 25 days, I think it was. So you had a lot of injuries, niggles, players you wanted to rest. The third round, needs, for me, it needs to be looked at as to exactly when it is. I don't think it works on that weekend. So close to the end of the, the festive fixtures. I'd have swapped it with a, a weekend round of Premier League fixtures and had it next weekend, personally. Um, so... Yes, the draw will have an impact because if Newcastle say draw Man City, who we saw played a very strong team over the weekend and won convincingly, then then 
Benitez is, is just going to probably rightly say we're not going to progress here. But if they did get enticing tie, there will be a bit of pressure on them, I think, to play a bit of a stronger team uh, next Tuesday, we think the game's going to be. But, as I said, the fact that they've got those two games either side, he sort of put himself in a difficult position now, but he is, I think, with the fact that they've now got this replay. And do you feel there was an opportunity missed? I mean, there's a lot of pundits at the weekend who, after the game, analysing it, were saying that, you know, Newcastle are a team low in confidence. They've got a mid-table championship team coming to St James's Park. Would you, would you agree with them that it was an argument to play a slightly stronger side? Because, I mean, I was looking at it thinking, great, Longstaff's getting an opportunity, Murphy's getting minutes, Jamie Sterry's getting an opportunity, Freddie Woodman, another player who got an opportunity on Saturday. But as you quite right, point, rightly pointed out, Chris, before that, these players are low on confidence or they haven't had enough minutes, they're, they're, they're rusty. Was there an argument for Newcastle to have played a slightly stronger team get a win against Blackburn, get the fans back inside, give them some sort of a lift to take into these Premier League games coming up against the likes of Chelsea and Cardiff? I think there was. I would have maybe made between three and five changes. I would have given the likes of... I think Freddie Woodman deserved the chance in goal. Probably Sean Longstaff gave him his full home debut. And then bring in a couple of the other fringe players. But by fringe players, I mean ones who've been on the bench in the Premier League and had a few minutes. Someone like Jacob Murphy. But I just think there was too many. You had Jamie Sterry playing at right back who has been injured, didn't really have any match fitness at all, being asked to play. It was a very tall order for him, all of a sudden thrown back in, in, into the first team setup. Hosselu, you probably did have to play if you were going to rest Rondon. Um, although I think, I mean, Rondon was rested to a degree over Christmas. I don't think he played as much as others. When he isn't playing, Newcastle do look far more toothless than when he is. And you saw the impact Ayose Perez made when he came off the bench. He just looked so much sharper and quicker and had a faster speed of thought than the, the players who'd started. And I think there were too many changes, four or five maybe, but but when it's getting up to eight, I just think that's too many. And, and Newcastle were punished for it and now have to go to Ewood Park in midweek, as I keep saying, in what is a huge week in, in the course of the season. And, and now these players have had that 90 minutes, though. You know They've, they've kind of shaken off a bit of rustiness. It's not too long before the replay. We imagine Benitez is going to play a very similar team Ewood Park. So, do you expect that team, if it is the same eleven or near enough the same eleven, to be better in that game because they've had that ninety minutes? Or do you think it's just going to be the case of again they're going to be too rusty for a Blackburn team who you look at their team from New Year's Day to that team that they played on Saturday? There was very few changes. I think Newcastle will be slightly better. I think that now they've seen the way Blackburn are going to play. I think it was a shock to the system for a lot of players, given the style that Blackburn played. It was it was extremely direct set pieces were targeted Newcastle now a bit more used to that Lejeune has got 90 minutes under his belt again it, very important that he's coming back I think that, that Newcastle will be slightly better for it but then again if you look at the likes of Kendi and Murphy two players who are lacking confidence Kennedy doesn't quite look focused those two really I, I'm not sure that they will necessarily thrive at Ewood Park because I, I think that Murphy almost has this feeling now that no matter what he does, he's not going to play regularly in the Premier League. But he has clearly doesn't fancy him, doesn't trust him in certain ways. So it, it's going to work as both a positive and a negative in that regard for Newcastle. And if they were to lose uh, at Blackburn next week, then really that's going to put a, a, a dampener on what is already a pretty negative situation on Tyneside at the moment. I just think that if, if they'd have won on Saturday, a, it would have been... The finally won at home. Yes, it's in the FA Cup, but psychologically that, that could have had a bit of an impact. And also, just to give everyone a bit of a lift, there was a lot of families 
there at the weekend, a lot of fans who may not have been there before, some of the kids, and, and they're going to see Newcastle struggle to get a draw against Blackburn. I, I just think it was it didn't really send out the right message at a time where everyone just needs a bit of a lift. And Alan Shearer was there at the game on Saturday, obviously playing for both clubs, and he wrote a column today in the Sun that he does quite often, but he wrote today about how he feels that he's watching Newcastle and the, the life's getting sucked out of the club. And as you see there, there's, there's new fans going there on Saturday, or, or fans who wouldn't necessarily go too often they're watching the team struggle against a mid-table championship team so it's it's kind of where's the inspiration and Shearer himself said that the only way he sees an inspiration is if the club is taken over in the, in the interim period between now and the end of the season or whenever it's going to take to, for me actually to sell the club I mean we'll link into the takeover now I mean obviously in the last few days we spoke about it on Friday and Saturday the, the Peter Kenyon letter that's, that's coming to the, the public domain and I mean, in terms of a takeover, are we any closer? Is, is there, has there been any movement since then, or is it just a case of as you were? Well, Peter Kenyon, as we learned from that letter, uh, had correspondence with Mike Ashley just before Christmas. It was sent via the club, and my understanding is that both Kenyon's camp and Ashley's camp were happy for that letter, to, or knew in advance that the letter was going to be leaked out, uh, as it was on Friday night. That showed, within it, he said that we're at advanced discussions that we hope to continue after Christmas and that both sides are frustrated that it hasn't progressed as quickly as they want to. Understand is there has been dialogue between Kenyon and Ashley since the turn of the year. Ashley's due back, well, sorry, he was due back at the weekend, so he's back in the country now and uh, they will hope to progress it further. Is, is, it, is a takeover imminent? I understand it's not necessarily. There isn't, Kenyon is still trying to source funds and it also seems as if Ashley suggested that to Kenyon's group, Kenyon is leading his group, whereas Gary Cook is advising former Manchester City CEO, is advising uh, another potential consortium who wants to buy the club. And, he, and basically, Ashley suggested, why don't they pull together and try and buy uh, Newcastle United as, as one collective? I find that sh- a strange dynamic that Cook and Kenyon want to work together. I'm not ruling out entirely, but I'm not sure that that's going to happen. And, and that says a lot about where I think where the deal is. I can't see it being completed and ratified by the end of the January transfer window, which means obviously creates doubt over what Newcastle do this month, how much Ashley is, is, is counting, will countenance Benitez can spend, and it all adds to a bit of confusion. So none of it's ideal, but at the same time, I think that the fact the letter is out there and that we can now see that there has been correspondence between Kenny and Ashley seemingly conducted in a positive manner has to be seen and give a bit of optimism and hope to Newcastle fans. Do you think that removes a bit of cynicism because you you can't you can't blame any Newcastle fan for being cynical about Ashley's comments in December because we've been here before, similar circumstances played out last season with the Amanda Stavey deal, the January transfer window, all the timing's the same. But I mean, even still after that letter come out on Friday, there was still that cynicism. And do you think that'll ever go away until the takeover deal is done? With some fans, I don't think it will. And as you say, it's understandable to a large degree. Mike Ashley, as we know, during the Kevin Keegan uh, employment tribunal, essentially admitted that at that point anyway, that he w- misled fans to a certain degree. I'm not saying that's continued, but certainly then. And so fans, are the amount of uh, water under the bridge that has been during the, Mike Ashley's 11 and a half year tenure, I just think there's so many Castle fans who are never going to believe a word that he says, it's always going to be a PR exercise, I'm always going to have these intriguing and baffling comments to a large degree that Keith Bishop is some sort of uh, puppet master directing the media. But that is understandable, until Mike Ashley goes, we we have to question this. It's, also, it, it, it's a similar t- 
situation to Newcastle and their transfer record, we hear and are informed from people high up at Newcastle that they are willing to break the transfer record. But until it actually happens, there's always going to be that doubt there. It's the same until Mike Ashley actually sells. Some fans will say this is just a ploy so that he doesn't have to uh, allow money to be spent during the January transfer window. My understanding is he's a, he's a genuine seller. He wants to offload the club at a price, at his price, which is around about £300 million. And as of yet, that hasn't that figure hasn't quite been reached. Just moving away from the table, there you touched on it slightly. You know, Rafa Benitez and the transfer. You know, the, the, I wouldn't say confusion, but there's always going to be the the you know the, the doubts over his transfer spend while this takeover talk rumbles on. Rafa has been very very tight lipped with the press. He's refusing to talk about it. But I mean, as the transfer window goes on, I mean, only one week into January now. There's still three three weeks or so to go. But at what point do you think that kind of radio silence with the media and, and obviously then relaying his message to the fans stops in January and Benitez kind of comes out and says exactly what he's thinking and what the club are able to do in the January transfer window? Well, it's been a change of approach from Benitez so far in this window. Usually he's quite open on transfers and he speaks a lot about them. Um, whether that's to be, say, that Newcastle are trying to do something, we're working hard on this, or as... as be, being the case sometimes he can go on a bit of a rant and basically uh, ask the powers of be to give him more money this time he said he's just decided I'm, I'm not going to speak about transfers my understanding is that is because he's got nothing positive to say about transfers at the moment he had players lined up uh, during December ready to come in by January the 1st but even before then the Miguel Almiron deal Newcastle have known for a long while what the terms are for that they could have signed him as soon as the uh, MLS Cup final took place, which I think was about December the 8th. Here we are, uh, a week into the transfer window, and Newcastle still haven't signed anyone. He wants a wing-back, an attacking midfielder, and a striker. He sort of privately has accepted that it's probably going to be towards the end of the window before he gets anyone. And when he does, they're likely to be loan deals rather than any permanent transfers, which, if you want guaranteed quality, you have to spend the money in Newcastle. See, we look and do that. So... I think that largely this is dictated. Benitez's mood, he feels different to how he's in the past. And I think that's because his, tra- his, his own contract is coming up uh, to, to being ended at the end of the season. And he knows that this window, he had to see something from the, the club's hierarchy from to really be convinced to stay. And as of yet, he's had nothing forthcoming in that regard. And obviously last, last winter... He did, he did the same, but the, the club kind of operated on a similar policy where Rafa was forced to, to make late loan signings. Kennedy, Martin Dubravka, Islam Samani. I mean, Samani didn't work out, but Dubravka and Kennedy turned out to be real master strokes. But, I mean, how much of a gamble is that, though, for Newcastle? Because I would, I would argue that they're in just as precarious position, if not more precarious this season than they were last season. You're not going to strike gold every time with these loan deals. I mean, you didn't get lucky. There was extensive research into Martin Dubravka, but, I mean, finding a player of that quality on loan, it, it's very hard to come by. And, I mean, you mentioned before that, that, that you know those people in the club hierarchy have mentioned that they will be willing to break the transfer record, but, I mean, fans will look at it and think, well, they've lined up a deal for Miguel Almiron. We know the, the you know the, the point is the club look for in terms of age, in terms of potential, in terms of future sell-on value. Almiron probably meets all of those expectations, so why aren't the club going out and breaking that record? It's a very good point. I think part of the issue is, although no-one at Newcastle high up has ever admitted this and would say it but certainly Benitez's perspective is that 
he has almost been denied some money that is there because he won't sign a new contract if he was to commit his future at Newcastle the argument is that a lot more money would, would go his way they'd be more willing to, to put money into the targets he identifies because they don't want to be left with players uh, who the next manager may not rate an argument I would make back at that is they're getting left with those anyway because the players who Benitez has signed over the last 18 months haven't been anywhere close to his first choice. Yes, some of them are only on short contracts, but you have the likes of Mankio and Hosselu and, and, and players such as that. No disrespect to any of those, but if a new manager came in, they're not going to be first choice under them either. Um, so yes, it, it is a serious risk this month because loans, you can only... You can only you can never guarantee that they're going to work out. Last year, Newcastle were lucky with two of the three, but Slomani didn't work out. This year, one of the players Newcastle needs is an attacker midfielder. Are you going to get a really top attacker midfielder on loan? It would probably have to be a youngster or someone uh, who has fallen out of favour and probably has an attitude issue, in which case you're taking a gamble in that regard. A youngster coming from abroad will take time to adapt. The fact Newcastle haven't got him in before the start of the window, the start of the window would mean that they're going to take time anyway. Games are ticking away for Newcastle as it is. They, they've put themselves in a very difficult position. The January window is more difficult to deal with than the summer window anyway. And given Newcastle's perilous position, if you're a uh, someone at an overseas club and you, you're looking at Newcastle and thinking, do I really want to be in a relegation scrap now? It's going to be a very difficult window. Benitez has targets and he also has some players lined up. But uh, the longer we go through the window, the further and further you'll have to go down the list and then you are really substituting quality for just a just a body, really. And just finally, on these kind of points, uh, Rafa's future there, you, you, you've mentioned there, is obviously a prominent issue about the transfer transfer funds available to him this month. I mean, there was a story yesterday that he's possibly being offered a one-year deal to end the transfer impasse at the release transfer funds. I mean, that's what the report was saying, if he does sign that deal. But, I mean, the first thing that came to my head when I read that story was... We're just going to be in the same situation again in, in, in a year's time if Ashley hasn't sold the club. But it's going to be the narrative is going to be: is there going to be a takeover, and is Rafinha going to sign a new deal? I mean, it, all of that can't help the club, can it? It can't. No, I mean the only way that that would be different is if Benitez was to sign that year, and then a takeover yeah. happened, and then then you'll see what could happen from that. I think a takeover probably is uh, more realistic if Benitez is tied down; it becomes more attractive. Uh, proposition, although any person who comes in, we aren't sure that they would necessarily want Rafa Benitez. With Amanda Stavely's bid uh, 12 months ago, we know that one of the, the key facets of it was that Rafa Benitez would be in charge. As far as I'm aware, that hasn't been uh, made as a demand in any of the four groups who, who are currently in negotiation. But Benitez's situation, yes, my understanding with, with the contract is that he was offered initially a five year deal. And when it became clear he wasn't going to sign that last year, it was suggested to him he sign a 12-month contract extension instead. And that although he hasn't, that has never been removed from that. And so although some funds would be released because of that, I'm not sure that it would release the same funds as if he was to commit for five years. So all of it's very complicated. It's all uh, nuanced. And it all really is, is, is just a distraction from the real issue. Yeah, one thing that I've always thought that Benitez has been slightly disingenuous with across the whole of the season is that he said my contract situation is not an issue it is an issue um, and I understand why he hasn't signed it don't get me wrong but it has it has become an issue and it continues to be an issue and will be until he signs a new deal or my gashing departs and we'll move away that to finish move away from that to finish with the podcast 
to a slightly rosier topic, Newcastle in the 21s. It's been a real success story, um, reaching the last 16 in the Czech Trade Trophy. I mean, a lot of Newcastle fans joked when Sunderland relegated to League One that they could face Newcastle in the 21s, and I mean, that joke's now become a reality. Newcastle in the 21s go to Sunderland tomorrow. There's around 2,800 Newcastle fans going. It's going to be a great atmosphere, and it's going to be a fantastic experience for those young lads. Win, win or lose, I suppose. I mean, Chris, you're going there. I mean, what are you expecting for tomorrow night? Yeah, there's 2,800 Newcastle fans going there, but if, uh, but for police regulations and maybe some of themselves, well, there could have been a lot more, I think, uh, given the chance for Newcastle to have what is, I don't know what you want to call it, a mini derby or, or whatever it is. I know it's not all youngsters, but uh, for Newcastle players, I, I think this is a, a win-win situation. Sunderland are going to be playing a lot of first team players uh, their favourites for the competition are certainly up there as favourites they're at home um, for Jack Ross I think there's a lot of pressure on them to perform and to win this for Newcastle under 21 players it's a great uh, atmosphere for them they're probably going to play in front of a bigger crowd than they ever have done before or certainly some of them will um, they can really express themselves against a good team they're doing well the likes of Elias Sorensen who's had a real breakthrough season uh, if he can score at the stadium alike, then that'll be great as well for his confidence. Ben Dawson deserves praise for, for having taken over that job in difficult circumstances um, and really having uh, changed their fortunes significantly this season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the under-21s cope with it. If, if they lose, they're expected to lose because they're under-21 side against a Sunderland team who are fighting for promotion from League One. Uh, so any sort of... If they were to get a draw or win it then that would be absolutely massive for them. And I, I just I just am intrigued to see how each of these players, a few of whom have got really the club have big hopes for, the likes of Kellen Watts, uh, Matty Longstaff, Elias Sorensen, how they cope in this environment. And I mean, as you mentioned there, it's a huge opportunity to play in a team fighting for League One promotion who effectively Sunderland's quality, if you look at their squad, are more like a lower end championship team than a, than a League One team. Um, I mean, if the likes of Sorensen, Matty Longstaff, Kevin Watts, I mean, Adam Wilson's another one who's been in England set up, if they impress in that game, win or lose, I mean, we spoke about the Blackburn game before, Rafa Benitez is going to name a, a weakened side, possibly even weaker than the team that played at St James's Park. Could a good performance of any of those four, or anyone else indeed in, in, the, in the 23 setup, force their way into Rappinez's thinking for that game next Tuesday? Quite possibly, certainly in, in certain positions, maybe at full back or central midfield, where Newcastle are struggling at the moment for numbers. Shelby's got a bit of a hams, uh, got a bit of a thigh problem, sorry. Keysung Young's away, Mordi Army's struggling for injury. So, in those sorts of positions, the ones that likes of Matty Longstaff or Kelland Watt somewhere in defence. They do have an excellent opportunity, and if they, if they can go there and if they can show a bit of composure and show that they deserve that opportunity, then they could play themselves into that. I mean, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that they should because I said earlier in the podcast that uh, for a start, I want to put pressure on the young lads, but also I said at the start of the podcast, I, di- I was frustrated by Benitez's team yeah. selection on Saturday. But at the same time, would I rather see him give an opportunity to some young lads, particularly if he basically decides that he's not bothered yeah. if Newcastle go out of the cup because they get a draw, say Man City or, or Chelsea or someone away, then fair enough, yes, maybe give them an opportunity. But I don't think they've got anything to lose because also what these they could be playing for is a loan move away. I think it's time we're getting to the point where Elias Sorensen maybe leads a loan move. And Benitez has been smart and the club have been smart and that they're not just letting players go on loan anywhere. 
they've done that in the past and some haven't played they're waiting they're trying to wait for the right club for the for somewhere the right style also where someone's guaranteed to play we've finally seen this year that Dan Boleza is doing quite well on loan and a few of the other players are starting to get game time and uh, if, if a few of these young lads can impress at the stadium alike then maybe they will play themselves to a League 1 or League 2 club and get themselves an opportunity and on the other side of the coin you've got the likes of Sean Longstaff Jamie Sterry who I've mentioned before Freddie Woodman even who have had first team opportunities, but you know haven't had that much game time this season. Could Benitez, you know, let them play in, in the game tomorrow because I, 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 you know really playing against something. It's it's a first team fixture, and look, look, even those kind of players are going to learn a lot from playing against something in, in, in an atmosphere like that's going to be tomorrow. Well, Benitez was asked about this at the weekend, and he said that he'd quite like to let the under twenty ones just be as they are. Although he will, he said he would speak to Ben Dawson and see, and if they are struggling in certain positions, if they need a little bit of extra experience or or in-game knowledge, then maybe someone like Sean Longstaff, who played a really good season last year at Blackpool, has been in and around the first team setup all year, played a few times. Freddie Woodman in goal, maybe they were going to get an opportunity. But at the same time, I think that Ben Dawson himself may want to reward his under twenty ones as many of them as possible with the fact that they have got them to this stage. Go and see what you can do. So. A couple of those players will come into the mix, but I think that we're likely to see a similar sort of team to the one who played uh, in the group stages of this competition and also uh, in the under-23 league as it is throughout the season so far. And just finally, a few fans have also asked about the likes of Ashraf Azar and Rolando Ahrens, who are part of the club, but clearly don't have a future. But, I mean, could they feature for the under-23s tomorrow, put them in the shop window? Uh, I highly doubt with Rolando Ahrens because the issue you'd have there is Benitez wants to send him out on loan again and you're not meant to feature for three clubs across the course of a season. So if he played for the under-23s, that would make it difficult for him. Sorry, under-21s, that would make it difficult for them. And he wasn't registered in the under-23 squad early in the, at the start of the season and left out of the Premier League team. So I, I can't see Ahrens. Lazar's slightly different because he's been, at, he's been on Tyneside the whole of the year so far. He's trained with the under-21s, under-23s. But, again, I think you'd be taking an opportunity away from, from the youngsters to do that. He's He's been holed off at half-time in a couple of the under-23 games he has played in. So I think the Benitez would rather just find a club for him and, and, and not uh, have Ben Dawson necessarily put him in the shop window because, realistically, is Ashraf Lazar playing against Sunderland at the Stadium of Light for Newcastle under-21s radically going to change the situation on the transfer front? I think it's not. Okay, well, thanks for your thoughts, Chris, and uh, thanks for all you joining us this afternoon for this latest edition of the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Uh, we'll be we'll be back later in the week for a, a preview podcast ahead of the trip to Chelsea on Saturday. Um, but until then, stick with us for uh, check a trade trophy derby with some of the Newcastle with twenty ones. Uh, we'll also have the latest and takeover latest on any transfer dealings coming through. So stick with us for the live, and we'll be back we'll be back on Thursday ahead of the Chelsea game for the latest podcast. Thank you very much.